Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, this second Sunday of Advent, this time when we remember the peace that you have brought. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, speak to us through your word. Pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now and open your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to open with a poem today, and this is a poem from a famed 19th century American poet, Emily Dickinson. So we're going a little more highbrow. Last week, <laughs> last week we were, uh, you know, doing John Mayer. Now we're with Emily Dickinson. So the poem is entitled, I Many Times Thought Peace Had Come. I many times thought peace had come when peace was far away. As wrecked men deem they sight the land at the center of the sea and struggle slacker but to prove as hopelessly as I how many the fictitious shores before the harbor be. It's a short poem. But uh, I love those lines. I many times thought peace had come. How many the fictitious shores before the harbor be? How many times in your life have you thought that peace had come? How often have you been surprised by the circumstances in your life? Uh, Circumstances that disrupted everything you thought was going to happen. You felt you had a good beat on things, right? You thought you had some level of contentment, some kind of peace and then everything changed. All of a sudden, peace was far away. You were like the wrecked men at the center of the sea, thinking that they see land, but it turned out to be one of those fictitious shores. I don't know about you, but I relate to Dickinson's poem completely. Uh, I've experienced this many times, as she says, as she has. I thought I had finally found the situation in life where things, you know, we're finally going to settle down, where I was finally going to be able to know what to expect. But it never stayed that way. It could have been an illness, it could have been a death, a confession, a hurt relationship, a friend moving away, whatever it may be, things change. Things always change. About a dozen years ago, I remember thinking I had found the job that I was going to do for the rest of my life. I was, getting, I was getting to use my creative gifts in this job. It was a ministry job, a parachurch ministry job. I was getting to be creative. I was laser focused on the radical grace of God for sinners. And we were living in a cool place in New York. You know, I thought I had it all at this time. I thought it all come together. Uh, and then a year into that job, I started to see yellow flags with the guy that I was partnering with. But I thought, you know, I like this, I love what I'm doing, we'll figure this out, I love it too much to quit, so we're just gonna keep going. This is what I wanna do forever. Then 18 months into the job, those yellow flags were now blazing red flags. (laughs) And uh, he and I were not seeing eye to eye at all. And his understanding of how the organization should be run was not what I thought we had agreed to when we began. 
And there was disagreement even on our board about how the organization should be run. There was a lot of uh, chaos. And worst of all, I had, I had lost my trust in him. I didn't trust him anymore. And so two years into that job that I thought was my dream job, I knew I was going to have to leave. And I did about five months later. I left what I thought was I was going to do for the rest of my life. It was a huge death for me uh, in ministry and relationally. I thought peace had come when peace was far away. How many the fictitious shores before the harbor be? That's a tongue twister for me. I'm going to mess it up every time. But um, how many the, the fictitious shores before the harbor be? We all have stories like this. If I were to ask you, I'm sure you would tell me about some time in your life when things you thought were going a certain way completely changed on you. Well, we're in good company. Consider Joseph today. you got to sympathize with poor Joseph. Uh, can you imagine being betrothed to your sweetheart, excited to marry and get started with your life, with her? Everything you hoped for was panning out, right? You know, peace was right around the corner. You can think of being in Joseph's shoes, like, Mary is awesome, I can't wait to get married to her, we'll set up my carpentry shop, you know, down the street from mom and dad or whatever, and uh, eventually we'll have some kids, everything's going to be perfect. Then she goes on this trip to visit her older cousin, and she comes back pregnant. Talk about your world blowing up. You know, that would have been devastating. Whatever peace that she thought she had was, was gone. Or, excuse me, what he thought he had was gone. It was not just his expectations about his life. He had expectations of what he had hoped for for his life. But what he thought about Mary must have changed dramatically. He loved this girl and thought the world of her, and then this happens. She wasn't who he thought she was, right? You can imagine him feeling heartbroken, betrayed, sad, Angry, uncertain, scared. He thought she was the one. He loves her. And Matthew tells us that Joseph was a good guy. Uh, He wanted to do the right thing. And we can see his love for Mary because he decides to to divorce her quietly. And this is an act of love. It may not seem that way right at the front end, but it actually was. Because when you know the law, the moral law that was given in Moses... Uh, Joseph was actually being very merciful in relation to what the law actually said. Under the law of Moses, a betrothed woman who commits adultery was to be stoned to death. That was the penalty. We obviously think that is extreme, but it speaks to the seriousness of righteousness and the seriousness of sin. Adultery is a sin, and the penalty for sin is death. But Joseph loved Mary, and he did not want that to happen to her. So he decided he would divorce her quietly and not bring extra attention to her unfortunate situation. Joseph was doing the best, the best he could, to deal with a bad situation, right? And and he was wrong. He was wrong. He's just a regular guy like you and me, and he did what all of us do, which is he was trying to find peace in having a predictable existence. You know, it's the equivalent of the American dream. 
except you, it's the Israeli dream, you know? So the American dream is the, the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids or whatever. The Israeli dream probably had a goat or something and like, you know, seven kids. I don't know, they, did, they had more kids. But either way, he, was, he had this Israeli dream that he was going to get married and settle down and have his carpentry shop and all that. And uh, no major surprises. A life of peace, right? The problem is that that's all life is. Life is all surprises. That's all it is. We're always surprised. We have no idea what's coming next. When you walk out of these doors, you don't know what's going to happen today. Life is all surprises. It's unpredictable. So trying to find peace in predictability, which we all do, just like Joseph, uh, trying to find peace in our plans for our lives is only going to result in us being disappointed. We'll be like those wrecked men in Dickinson's poem, be at the center of the sea, thinking we see land. Joseph's peace was gone when he found out Mary was pregnant. But it was a false peace. It was a fictitious shore. Still, he was trying to regain some semblance of control, right? Trying to kind of regain some sort of understanding of how his life's going to play out. He's trying to get that, that dream life back, that Israeli dream life back on track. So he's going to divorce Mary. He's devastated, I'm sure, but he's going to go find some other Jewish girl, you know, a nice Jewish girl that he could settle down with. He thought Mary was unfaithful to him. He thought she'd betrayed him, but he jumped to all the wrong conclusions. His perspective was understandable, but it was way off. And God makes this clear to him. That's what our family service, we have our angel up there from the kids who, who colored it in. So we decided to leave it up there so you can uh, think about what it was like to have an angel appear to Joseph in his dreams. God comes to him and he explains through his angel what he's actually doing. He tells him what's really going on. And it is an act of grace that he brings him in to the plan. He doesn't leave him in the darkness. He doesn't leave him out in the center of the sea. He wants him to see what's really going on. This wasn't just any baby. This child was not the product of sin or the cause for panic. He was not the destruction of Joseph's life. This child is exactly the opposite. This baby is from the Holy Spirit. He is God's great gift to the world. This baby is the true source of all peace for all of humanity, including his freaking out dad, Joseph, right? The angel tells Joseph, you will call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He tells them the same promise that he had told Mary. This child is the one that you've been waiting for. He's the savior. And the angel is very clear that that none of this hangs on Joseph's plans, right? Or his ability to make the right decision, thank God, because his decision was to divorce Mary. His plan was to not have this happen. It's an important point to remember that none of what God does would happen if it was up to us in our plans. We would not choose it. He makes it happen. He intervenes. He acts first. And then he tells us what he's doing, and our hearts are changed to want the things that he's doing. The angel tells Joseph in no uncertain terms, this is going to happen. You will take Mary as your wife, 
and you will call him Jesus. You call her son Jesus. He will be yours. This is God's good will for his creation. God is keeping his promises. He's keeping his promises to Joseph. He's keeping his promises to Mary. He's keeping his promises to his people. And Matthew spells this out very clearly for us, in case any of us doubted that this was God's plan all along. This was to fulfill the prophecy given in Isaiah 7, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. God was doing just what he said he would do. No one understood what he meant when he said it, right? People weren't expecting a virgin birth after Isaiah 7, but looking back on it, they recognized it. All of it was certainly a surprise to Joseph and Mary, right? This was not their plan for their lives. But God did what he does. He comes and he blows up our plans because our plans don't ever get us to that real place of peace. Our plans are always generally focused on the fictitious shores, right? You know, we're trying to find peace in the things that are horizontal, kind of the temporal, physical world around us. If I just had that girlfriend, then I'd be okay. Or if I just had that spouse, if I just had that house, I'd be good. If I just had that job, remember my story, then I'd be at peace. If I just had more money, whatever it is. But they never give us lasting peace because things always change. But God wants us to know true peace inside and out for eternity. A peace that never changes. A peace that is everlasting. He wants to expose the fake shores that we often put our hope in so that he can bring us to the true harbor. Joseph and Mary's completely unexpected baby boy. God is the one who makes peace with us, and he's the one that makes peace for us. It's all a gift. It all depends on him, the giver, and he delights in giving good gifts to his children. God promised this from the very beginning, after Adam and Eve fell, that he would reverse what they had done that he would undo the sin and the brokenness. He would undo their destruction of peace because that's what we do in our sin. Our sin robs us of peace. It breaks relationship. It takes away what God intends for us. But God promised Adam and Eve. He promised Noah. He promised Abraham. He promised Isaac and Jacob. He promised Moses. He promised David. And on down the line till he makes these promises to Mary and Joseph. And now he promises you. His promises for you. Today. That God has made good on making peace. That Jesus is the gift we'd all been waiting for since the dawn of time. He's the one that would come and save us from our sins. That's what we sang this morning. He is the one who would bring peace for good. Remember what the angels proclaim to the shepherds out in the fields? They say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Good will towards men and women. Peace is no longer far away. He has drawn near to us to dwell with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus. He is our peace. 
our true peace that will never leave us. He is our harbor. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are a God uh, that exposes the false shores, the fictitious shores that we put our hope in, that we think are peace. You expose those things as fake so that we might find the true harbor in you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have brought peace for us, and it is peace everlasting, that no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what the changes may be, you never change. You are sure and steadfast for us, and you hold on to us. You are the God that keeps promises. So we thank you, Lord. We pray that you would keep that firmly fixed in our hearts and our minds this week, in this Advent season. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us to share that with others that we've got the greatest news on earth, that peace has been made between us and God because of your Son. Lord, I pray that you would use us to bring others to that truth. Help us to invite them, Lord. And we thank you for giving us your peace. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.